Yeah, we've been uh, through this series of sermons on love redeemed. And the question that we ask is, what does it mean to love like Jesus? I mean, that's kind of the theme that has been woven throughout this series. And, and so, as we think about that, what, what does it mean to love like Jesus? This series is, a, is about helping us figure that out and seeing what love really means in the Christian context and in regards to how we love one another. And it's in contrast to the way that the world sees love. You know, uh, love, as we've talked about in the world, you know, it's, it's an emotion. It's a feeling. It's something that comes and goes. It's something that, well, as Tina Turner said, just an old-fashioned secondhand emotion, right? That's the, way, that's the way the world sees it, right? It's just, well, you know, it's about me and my feelings and what I want, and it can come and go. But I hope through what we've talked about over the past few weeks that you understand that love's more than that. It, we've had so much positive response about this series. I think people are, are hungering to figure out what love is and experience it for themselves. And just real briefly to go through what we've talked about. We started out, you know, many weeks ago uh, with the fact that God is love. That the very nature of God is relational. So before there was time, there was love. Think about that. Before there is anything, there is love. And so everything that we are talking about, everything that we're doing is based on the fact that we serve this God that, who by God's very nature is love. And, and then uh, we, we talked about that, you know, that there's different types of love that we read about in the Greek language. There is the romantic love. There is the familial love. There's the love of friends. And then there's this agape love that we Christians have recreated and, and, and grabbed that word for ourselves as sacrificial love, the love like God has for us. And, and then you might recall we spent three weeks in that wonderful love chapter from 1 Corinthians 13 where uh, we talked about that if you do all sorts of wonderful things, if you, you know, even give away everything that you have, but you don't do it out of love, well, then it amounts to nothing. And in fact, a lot of these efforts that we, we have in loving, well, they're kind of selfish or uh, out, out of some self-aggrandizement, uh, right? And then we talked about what love is, about being patient and kind. And then, yeah, last week, we, we said this, that... You know, we hope and pray as your pastors, echoing the, the prayer of the, the Apostle Paul to his friends in Ephesians, that you would know the great depth and breadth and, and height and how wonderful and how broad and how deep the love of God is for you as an individual and for us as a church. It's so grand that we can't comprehend it. And then you might remember that we asked you to maybe go out and take pictures of a, a place where that you might experience the, the grandeur of God's love or, or you might feel a, a, a place where God's love is special to you. And old Flip took a picture of the, of the candle over there as he goes there and kneels down and he sent that into us. And it may not be something like the mountains or a, a, a big old tree or an ocean. It might be something well, around your house, like a dog. And I am submitting this picture if it's going to show up there, of Rosie, not Rosie Bentley, <laughs> Rosie, our eight-month-old puppy. And whenever I see her, uh, and whenever I come home, whenever anyone comes in the house, 
oh my gosh, her tail wags her whole body. I mean, she is just shaking all over the place because she is so excited to see us. She is so glad that we're there. That's how much she likes us. And if we go away from her, oh, she whines. The other day I was trying to stretch out after a game of pickleball, Fred. I was all sore, and I was there in our little workout room in the basement. And she was whining and whining and whining because why? She wanted to be near me. And Rosie's love reminds me of the unconditional love that God has for me. God's excited to see me whenever I overcome my selfishness and take time to be with God. So Rosie reminds me of God. So I encourage you, if you haven't done so, take a picture of something, some place, some object, and send it to office at Boone UMC, and we're going to share that with people so that it helps remind us all of the greatness of, of God's love for us. And today we conclude this series with these words from Jesus as found in the Good News According to John the 15th chapter, starting with verse 9. Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things so that, you may, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. No greater love that has a man than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I've called you friends because I've made known to you everything that I have heard from the Father. You did not choose me. I chose you. And appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I'm giving you these commands so that you may love one another. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Friends, we are being given an invitation by Jesus. An invitation to friendship with the Lord of the universe. We are being invited to be the friend of the one through whom everything was created. We're being invited to be a friend with Jesus. And if we are a friend with somebody, well, what's that mean? We, we kind of take seriously what that person takes seriously. We want to do what that person wants to do. We like what that person likes. And we are concerned about the things that concern that person. We, we take seriously that person's hurts and feelings and desires. Imagine, if you would, you have a friend that may be allergic to some certain food. You surely wouldn't, when that person came over to your house, serve that person that object for dinner, would you? Of course not. We had some friends in Southern California, Rich and Joni, and the first time they came over to our cinder block base house out in the middle of the desert at George Airplane Patch, Joni, the first words after, out, of, out of her mouth after she walked through the door is, I, she said this, I need to check your trash. What an interesting thing to say. I mean, that's not usually how you greet somebody. I need to go root through your trash can, is it? But what she wanted to do was look at the ingredients of the 
items that we had prepared the food with because, well, unbeknownst to us, Joni was deathly allergic to potassium sorbate, a preservative. And so after looking through all the ingredients and things that we had put together, you know, she determined she could eat dinner with us. But what did we do every time that we had Rich and Joni over for dinner? Alicia and I checked to make sure that anything that we were serving did not have potassium sorbate in it. Why? Because Joni's our friend. We were concerned about what she was concerned about. Well, that's the way it is in our relationship with Jesus. We are concerned about what concerns his heart. We love what he loves. We desire what he desires for our lives. That's the way it is with Jesus, you see. And because we're friends with Jesus, this isn't some rigid command. This isn't some dictator demanding something out of us. No, this is something that he is asking us to do out of love, a command of love. Because the Lord of the universe is not a tyrant. He will not force us into friendship or to do as well. He's not like what's going on in Ukraine right now where a warped dictator is trying to impose his will upon a people who want nothing more than to breathe the pure air of freedom. And yeah, his military might impose its will upon the nation of Ukraine. He'll never have their love. Oh, how unlike Jesus that is. Jesus who came humbly to submit himself for our good, who now claims the allegiance and love of literally billions of people throughout history. That's the nature of the love of Jesus and the friendship of Jesus. It's something that is compelled by his love for us that we want to love back as his friend. See, that's the way Jesus is, you see. That's the way Jesus is. He is concerned about what we're concerned about. And our desires, in some ways, are a part of his his wanting to be a friend with us. Bishop Gerald Hughes put it this way, that it would not be a friendship if his vision did not somehow mesh with our dreams and our desires of our lives. You see, what Jesus does then is to take our desires, our dreams, and he elevates them. He takes away our pigsty dreams and makes them into palace dreams. He comes to wish the good for us, the best for us. And our friendship makes us better because we are friends with one who desires the best for us. And so he changes us, molds us, and makes us He makes our desires more than we could ever dream of. And he wants the best for us. There is a a doctoral student from a university out west that went to go and study a Navajo Indian village to do research, to get to know the people, and to write a doctoral uh, presentation from his time there. And so he went and lived with the people in this village. He stayed in one of their households. He ate that family's food. He related to them. He watched them. He observed them. And in this particular house, 
There was an elderly grandmother who did not know English, but somehow, through the magic of the chemistry of the relationship, they became fast friends. And even though they couldn't understand each other too much in their speaking, it's amazing how they loved one another. Over time, he learned some Navajo, and over time, she learned some English. And after his year or more there doing research and living with the people, it was time for him to leave. And as he was about to get in the truck, this old Navajo woman came to him, put his hand, her hands on his face, and said this with tears in her eyes, I'm the best me when I am with you. I'm the best me when I am with you. Well, that's the way it is with Jesus. We're the best me when I am with my friend Jesus because he accepts us for who we are. He knows all about us. He knows about our heartaches and our struggles, our pain. He knows about our sinfulness. He accepts us despite the fact that we haven't been our best selves. He accepts us not because of what we've achieved, but because of who we are. I'm the best me when I'm with my friend, Jesus. And I know that's the case in my life. I know it's when I'm struggling or when I'm not my best self. Well, guess who's moved? Me not Jesus. And in dealing with all this mess that's going on in the world and in faraway places, and I see the anger and the bitterness boiling up within me and, and think about some thoughts that, well, I wouldn't want to share with, with you. It's when I come before Jesus and I present these things to him, I become the best me, the me that I like to look at in the mirror. The me that is able to get beyond all the prejudice and the hatred and the bitterness and be able to even pray for these who are perpetrating this violence and seeing that some young Russian trans, uh, conscript is probably going to lose his life because of this. Praying for the leaders of both nations and also praying for forgiveness for the things in my own heart and realizing that our own country has its own share of blood on its hands for which we need to repent and say, Lord, have mercy on us. I'm the best me, you see, when I'm with my friend, Jesus. And Jesus then opens my heart and mind to what he wants for my life and the life of this church. He wants us as he said, to love one another as I have loved you. If you are my friend, this is what you're going to do. You're going to obey this command, this gentle command to love other people just as I have loved you. Starting with folks here in the church and then like a ripple spreading out to all the world so that people will know the love of Jesus because they know people like you and me who are our best selves because we are with Jesus. And that, now, how did Jesus love his disciples? And how did he love all of us? Well, he literally laid down his life 
so that we might know life eternal, yes, in heaven, but life abundant here on this earth, so that we can know the joy of being a friend of Jesus Christ, the joy of the one who made everything. He gave his life, literally died a terrible, horrible death at the hands of brutal men so that we might have life. He lived sacrificially, gave sacrificially, and we are to do the same. Now, very few of us are actually going to have to give our lives for another human being. I'm reading a book called Masters of the Air. It's about the air war over Germany during World War II. And lots of scenes of heroism, but one that touched me was hearing about these four gunners in the rear of a B-17 that said, whatever happens, we're not going to leave one another. A ball turret gunner got stuck in the ball turret of the plane, damaged by uh, enemy fire. The plane was going down. He couldn't get out of the ball turret. Everyone else bailed out of the plane except his three crew members who said, we're not leaving you. And they died all together. That's love. That's friendship. Very few of us are going to be asked to do that. So how then do we live? How do we sacrifice self? How do we give of self? We offer our time and who we are to make friends, to give to others. I got a call this week from a fella in Bruton, Alabama. His name's Durwood. And Durwood called me. It honored me. touched my heart. In fact, I get a little emotional thinking about it. That I haven't been there in a long time. But Durwood called me to let me know that his wife, Ellen, had passed away unexpectedly. So when you leave here today, put Durwood Mantle on your prayer list. And Durwood could take a paper clip and make a battleship out of it. I mean, he, he, he is a handy fella. And uh, we needed a new fence in our backyard to try to keep our escape artist dog in. And, and Derwood came over to, to help put that together. And Derwood had this big dually truck, and it was filled with all sorts of tools. And, uh, and he, he's a great guy. In fact, you might have remember I talked about the wheelchair ramp ministry in that church. They're on 518 now, and Derwood's leading that effort. But he, he came back to help build this fence, and he, had, he was kind of new to the church, and we began to talk, and, and I saw that big dually filled with tools, and, and after uh, the job was over, and we had a little humorous uh, time there because he had put all the poles in and then realized he couldn't get his truck out of the backyard, so we, <laughs> oh, that stirred up some, con- uh, some fun. Oh. Uh, but anyways, and I won't tell you what he said after, <laughs> after he realized that. You know, after the job was over and I looked back, they said, Derwood, you've got a, a whole lot of tools. What, what do you make with all those tools? And what, what do you make with them? I said, Ed, and mostly I make friends with them. You know, mostly he made friends with them. And we're being asked with the tools of our lives to make friends. Now, uh, you wouldn't want me to use hammer and nails to make a friend with anybody. It might make an enemy real quick, but there's a lot of handy people out there that are pretty handy. You might make friends with the tools of a spatula and a mixing bowl. It might be a pen, paper. It might be uh, a chainsaw and some wood. It might be 
using your phone or computer. But use the tools that you have to give of yourself to make a friend. For Jesus, our ultimate friend, has done that for us, using his very self to sacrificially give of himself so that we might be friends of the eternal God. Yes, that's what Jesus has called us to do. Our friend has asked us to do, to love sacrificially so that others might know that Jesus is their friend. Giving of ourselves sacrificially for others. And in that, in and through that, Jesus said, we'll know true joy. Mother Teresa, well, you, we all have heard of her, I think. Well, Mother Teresa, near the end of her life, was asked to speak at the National Prayer Breakfast in, in Washington, D.C., and she was introduced as the greatest woman in the world. And as she came forward and got behind the podium, she said, I am not the greatest woman in the world. If I were the greatest woman in the world, she said, God would have made me taller so I could have seen over the podium from which I'm speaking, you know. But then she went on to say this. She said, all I am is a small pencil placed in the hand of God for God to write love letters to the world through. All I am is a small pencil for God to use to write love letters to the world. Well, that's what God wants for us, you see. You've been given a pencil, I believe. Even sharpened, how about that? Well, may this pencil be a reminder to you of how God wants to use your life to write letters of love to the world. For your life is being used somehow, some way, to proclaim some message. Will it be letters of love? What is your life saying? May this pencil be a reminder of what God wants to use you for. Keep the pencil out because we're going to talk about it some more. Well, you heard Patty with all these announcements we have, right? I guess this is a special week coming up, right? Yeah, we're going to have a great time on Tuesday evening. Fat Tuesday pancake dinner, 5.30. Be there. Down our way, it's the end of Mardi Gras. And so... Not only are we going to eat pancakes, well, we're going to celebrate Mardi Gras. And we're going to maybe have a little parade. We're going to sing, and the saints go marching in. We're going to have fun. It's going to be a grand occasion. But the next day, the next day starts the season of Lent. And I want to remind you that that day we're going to have three services of worship, one from 7 to 8 in the chapel. It's come and go in position of ashes. To me, it's the most meaningful time, just to to be honest with you, because we can actually have some time of of one-on-one prayer together. So from 7 to 8, Patty and I will be back there. There will be the prayer labyrinth set up. Blackburn's Chapel at noon, a similar situation with with Laura out there. And then at 7 o'clock that night, we will... Uh, have a traditional uh, 
liturgical Ash Wednesday service here, and that will be beautiful too, but wonderful music will be there. But, you know, at Lent we hear about people sacrificing stuff, right? You know, giving up, up things. You know, people, uh, gi- you know, give up chocolate, and, and, and folks give up, you know, um, red meat, or they give up being on social me- media. They sacrifice things. Yeah, one year I, I gave up uh, sweets for, for Lent, and I had gone to New Orleans, uh, and there we were with a friend, and we ate at this restaurant. It said, world's best bread pudding, and I love bread pudding. And uh, so I asked the waitress, I said, ma'am, uh, I see the sign there. It's the world's best bread pudding. Is it really good? She said, oh, yeah, it's real good. I said, well, you know, I, I've given up sweets for Lent. Is it, should I go ahead and get it? And then here's how she responded. It ain't worth talking to the priest about. So, <laughs> so, so folks give up all sorts of stuff for Lent, right? But have you ever thought about sacrificing yourself at Lent? Giving of yourself to befriend somebody, to show unconditional sacrificial love to somebody else. And it can happen all sorts of ways. Can be that, you know, you decide to help out on Thursday nights, preparing dinners or delivering meals. It it could be that uh, you get our shut-in list and you go and visit somebody. It could be that, you know, I've heard, and I've done a lot of this myself, that there have been a, a lot of people that have not been at church since COVID has happened and you, you know you might know some of those people and you might call them or visit them and not maybe to win them back to church so that'd be nice but maybe to just let them know they're loved and you're thinking about them maybe you know taking uh, some wonderful object to a person in need You heard about the Afghan refugee crisis and and how our church is going to sponsor family. You might sacrifice yourself to get involved with that family. Our congregation is receiving names from uh, people who work at Watauga Medical Center, healthcare workers and and, and staff people there. And, And, you know, we're going to get those names out to people. You might be someone who takes a name or two and write and prays for them and writes them and maybe even send them a bat, the, the people a batch of cookies or some bling to let them know that you appreciate them. I don't know. You and God know. You can ask your friend Jesus about this. So I'm going to encourage you over the next three days to pray about that. Ask God, God, how can I sacrificially give of myself to somebody or some group so that those people will know that I'm their friend and they have a friend in you, Jesus. And on Ash Wednesday, either before or after you get your ashes imposed, Take this pencil, if you haven't lost it, and write it down somewhere. Say, Lord, I'm going to sacrifice myself by doing this so that others will know that you're their friend, and I am too. Take some time to pray about it, and then offer yourself up to God and to others so that 
people will know the love of Jesus Christ because they know you. Go. Do as our friend Jesus says. Love one another as he's loved us. Let us pray. Father, we know that we are loved with an incredible love. You have surrounded us with signs and symbols of that love through the beauty of the world around us, through the friends that surround us, through creatures that we happen to have in our household, so many ways. And as we're reminded of that love, help us to remember that Jesus came into the world. Help us become your friend, O oh God. And as we become your friend through your son, Jesus, and as we're his friend too, you call us to befriend each other in your church and make friends in the world around us so that people will know your love through us. To go into the world, to love one another as you have We ask this now in the name of our ultimate friend, Jesus Christ.